Father, we just open ourselves to all that you have for us today. There's a gratefulness in our heart. We say, Lord, you're our strength. We say, come today. Minister to us. Help us unlock in our lives things that need to be unlocked. Father, I pray clarity to speak, clarity of your word into our hearts. Not just the word, but Lord, the spirit of it. I pray, Lord, that every person here today who's become locked up in some part of their life, unable to explore the prophetic dimensions and the realms of possibilities in God, that today would be a day of unlocking that and bringing release in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, we open our heart to you. In the great presence of God here, isn't there? Great presence of God. Why don't you give someone a high five and just uh, talk to someone, say hello to them and be seated. Thank you, musicians. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, 2, two Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to pick it up at verse 3. I want to share with you some things that the Lord spoke into my own heart some time ago that were extremely helpful for me. And uh, I don't think I've ever preached them. I just have got them in my diary. I got out my diary and, uh, from a little time back and opened it up, and there were these things. And it's very, very current for right now. Last week, we were talking about the imagination. And uh, when we were sharing about the imagination, we were sharing some things about God's design for us. And uh, we, we shared these things, that God has created us in His image, so therefore we are creative people. We have the ability to create. We saw, secondly, that we have that capacity to create as uh, we can sexually create, we can have a child, uh, we can produce a new life that's an eternal being. That's a very creative act. And secondly, with our imagination, we can create ideas that then become realities in the world. So all the inventions you've ever seen were in someone's imagination before they were in the earth. So your imagination is part of the creative faculty. It's connected to your spirit. And so the dreams, the, the things that God gives you will go into that imagination. And so your imagination is a wonderful, wonderful gift that God has given you. Your imagination is a capacity, a mental capacity God has given you to form pictures of a future or, that, or of a reality that's not yet happened. So imagination is wonderful. Great gift that God has given us. We can make mental pictures of something that is not yet existing. So it, it's great. You can dream about the addition you'll have to your house. You begin to think about it, dream about it, walk in and out through it. It hasn't even turned up yet, and then there it is. And so from your imagination was birthed something uh, into the world. Now we saw also that your imaginations uh, have a voice. They speak to you. So imaginations can be good and they can be vain. Vain ones are empty ones, and they lead you somewhere. And we saw how if you just let your mind go along a vain imagination that's not at all true, you will end up where you don't want to be. Wonder how you got there. And uh, we saw also how imaginations are prophetic. As you yield to them, they can begin to form a future and create a reality you haven't seen. So that's the powerful thing of our imagination. Of course, the final thing we saw was that when God speaks to you, He puts a word into your spirit or a picture in your spirit comes into the imagination. You begin to see it in the same place you imagine things. Now, I want to look today specifically at the issue of fantasy, a misuse of the imagination and addictive drug. Notice what it says here in 2 Corinthians 10. We'll just pick it up here. For the weapons of our warfare, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For the pulling down, notice this, we have weapons that with the power of the Holy Spirit are very, very powerful. They're mighty in God. Notice this, 
Now, these all are referring to the same thing. The pulling down of strongholds, casting down of imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity, into obedience of Christ. So notice these things. It's all really, he's trying to use words to say the same thing. He's talking about thoughts, imaginations, uh, high things that resist God working in our life, and he calls them actually strongholds because demons can enter them and we, become a, we have a mindset that stops us progressing. Many of us here today have mindsets that stop us moving in God. You love the Lord, but nevertheless, in spite of loving the Lord, you're committed to the Lord, mindsets Patterns of thinking which exalt themselves against knowing God will stop you progressing. It's really helpful then if we can identify them and work out what we need to do to bring them down, to, to stop them or to deal with them. So an imagination's a faculty. If you're in a man, it's a screen where pictures form. And uh, we can receive dreams from the Lord there. We can receive visions from the Lord there. It's a place where God has designed us design us, we receive input from him into our imagination, and we create from our own heart things in our imagination, and demons can put thoughts in that also lead to our imagination being filled. So there are three ways our imagination can be accessed, by the Holy Spirit putting things in there, by our own heart putting things in there, and by demons flooding and invading us. Very important to understand that. And so the imagination can be cultivated. You can actually develop this whole faculty that God has given you and develop the prophetic realm because all can prophesy. So you can develop the ability to see, imagine, perceive, receive things from God. Everyone has been given that. Everyone has that faculty. You understand that God has given it to you because he's made you a spirit being. Like he gave you two eyes to see. They may not work so well. You may need glasses. In your imagination, maybe the same thing. The prophetic area may not be developed, but you can develop it through meditation in the Word and renewing the mind and identifying vain imaginations and confronting them and pulling them down. Next week, we'll look at what's involved in the pulling of them down. Okay then, so, so imagination can be cultivated. Now, imagination can also be defiled. Your imagination can become polluted and defiled. And, and it, it's a lasting defilement that requires a major cleansing action of the blood of Jesus and the Word of God. How is it defiled? By, uh, for example, a person has a traumatic experience, the memory is embedded into them, and it keeps coming back in, and the imagination will go over and over and over that event that happened. We can uh, set our mind and our heart on unclean things, sexual things, and the imagination becomes defiled. People who've been sexually abused may have images in their mind they cannot seem to get out of. It's just part of life. Things happen to us. So we need a strategy to deal with defilement of the imagination so that we can open our imagination progressively and begin to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in dreaming and beginning to see possibilities of the future. You get any idea? So let me just look at this area today of fantasy. I'm going to talk about a fantasy, how imagination and fantasies are connected. So first of all, I'll just give you a definition of it. And we're going to look at fantasy and daydreaming. So first of all, fantasy. And of course, the thing is, everyone has them. Tell someone next to you, he's talking to you. Everyone has fantasies, not necessarily all bad. Everyone daydreams. You ever found yourself looking out the window and, oh, wait, come back again? Everyone daydreams and everyone fantasies. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just where you go. 
<laughs> what's taken it up. So we all have it. So don't get so all so serious on this matter. And uh, actually, this part of it, it's normal for kids to dream and to, to, you know, sometimes you find them staring into space. And these things are all quite normal. There's a need to develop the imagination. Overexposure to television when children are young hinders the development of the imagination. So you don't want to have too much TV. So you put your kids in front of TV when they're very young because what happens is their imagination then gets overloaded and it doesn't develop properly. You notice you can buy a fancy toy for a child and they throw it away and they're playing with some other little thing? Because their, their imagination is involved with that. They're not interested in the fact. That, 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 that fancy toy that costs so much is the parent's idea. The kid's happy with a bit of mud. If you ever noticed children, they're not interested so much in the fancy toys, they're interested in other things. And that's part of a normal developmental process. So, so there is, some aspects are really quite normal. So fantasy is an illusion formed in your mind. It's an illusion. It's not real. Fantasy, not real. I'll give you another definition. I, I, I've got to get clear on this. It's an imagined event or sequence of events that you create in your mind to fulfill some desire or longing. It's an event or a sequence of events which you create in your mind to fulfill some desire or longing. So inevitably, if we examine our fantasies, we'll also see what's going on in our heart. So it's a realm of the imagination. It's a, a fantasy is where you use your imagination to create uh, something happening that is absolutely unreal. But here's the thing that's common with all fantasies. You are the center. It's all about me. And it's more to it than that, though. It's not only about you and you're the center of it. You are God in that world. Untouchable. You are in total control of that fantasy world. You create something where you cannot be defeated. You're in charge, you're in control, you're in power. So in the, in the fantasy world... You're able to be in control and, and have power. And you can shape those imaginations the way you want them to go. So if you have a look at what you fantasize about, you'll begin to find out what's really going on inside you. Not always that nice. However, if it is there, better to change it, eh? So usually, there's, an, there's a desire that a person has that fuels the fantasy. We'll look at a couple of fantasies shortly. Fantasies. Okay, and then I'm going to show you how it accesses your life and can affect you. Many times people in their fantasy are looking for recognition. Because you notice in your fantasy, probably you're quite important. I won! <laughs> and they're all clapping me! Ah, come on, you all fantasize to something where we're the hero and we won. And uh, it's, or it's for control and power. So you may revisit thoughts, and now you are in total control of that situation. Uh, it may be that it's for revenge. Some people's fantasies are about revenge. They think and dream about how they're going to get back, how they'll suffer. Oh, that way that, before you know it, you're way down there. Oh, come back. Followed a daydream back. It was a daydream of revenge. Some people plotting revenge. For some, it may be in the area of, uh, of sexual intimacy. And so the daydreams uh, uh, go out there and they're about being intimate or about being sexual and they go way, way out there. Whoops, come back. Gone too far. That's what happens. Now, you're all getting quiet now because I know you haven't. <laughs> well, I've had them. I don't think there's any other man who hasn't had them. 
And, uh, and then some of the fantasies are about being safe, where a person's felt abused and they may go into a world so they can control that imaginary world and feel safe in there. So therefore it can be a place of refuge. If you're brought up in a home which is emotionally unsafe or physically unsafe, then, then, then fantasy was where you go because in that world you're safe. A wonderful world to be in. Lovely world to be in. So it's fantasy. Daydreaming is a bit like fantasy. Daydreaming is really a fantasy that uh, it's a dreamlike fantasy you have while you're wide awake and away you go and you just enter into this dreamlike state. You become unaware of what's going on around you. That's when someone's daydreaming, they aren't aware of what's going on around them. You can even have a daydream while you're driving down the road. You've gone somewhere. Wives, you notice your husband, while he's talking to him, sometimes he's away. Not there, he's gone away. He's in a dream, gone somewhere else. So do, these fantasies do take you somewhere. So everyone has them. So everyone has them. And they're not necessarily all bad, but they can end up really destructive and really bringing your life into bondage. So here's a, let me see people, and men and women's fantasies are a bit different. So, you know, I used to love cowboy movies. I used to love them. I used to think about them. I was away out there. I used to love books. I used to read all the Enid Blyton books in those days and go way into a magical world. Go down the library, I was always in the library, I was away. In fact, I don't even remember most of growing up as a young person, I was away. I wasn't there for most of it. I was away somewhere. Fantasy, daydreaming, because trying to escape from pain. That's what happens. You know someone like that, don't you? <laughs> How many of you actually have dreamed, you know, of being in some situation where you're the hero and you win, everyone notices you? See, that would be one some guys would have. Or it's the sports team. And I got the winning goal. See? Or you had a bad move and then you go back over it and over in your mind and replay how you could have played it. And you notice when you replay how you could have played it, you always win. Have you noticed that? And everyone cheers. <laughs> and you feel good. See, fantasies. There's, there's, there's more to them than meets the eye. And so those are some kind of fantasies people have. Here's another area people have. I've, I was starting to think of where, uh, where people have this. Um, people have fantasies about money and wealth. They keep dreaming about that car, about that house, about that boat. Away it all goes. Or about being important, having some great position. Or if you're a woman, you probably have romantic fantasies. About some wonderful husband one day. He's just like Jesus, it turns out. <laughs> and so you have this fantasy that the one you'll marry will be different to everyone else's person because they will be just so beautiful and wonderful. And it's a fantasy. There's no man can match that fantasy. The fantasy's totally under your control. Real men aren't like that. I'm sorry. And so they go through their life and lots of potential men come along and then they just ignore the potential men because they've matched it with the fantasy. It doesn't match. You can see too many holes. Well, listen, there's no man is perfect. You might as well find that out now. Period before you marry him is the great deception. After you marry him, you'll find out what he's really like. That works both ways too. So guys fantasize. Their fantasies are usually about power and control. And about winning and victoring and conquering. So they often have a sexual nature to them. And that takes you into bad places. 
The woman need to know that's what goes on in men's heads, away they go. They've gone in a bad, 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 bad place. But it's actually coming out of rejection and hurt and trying to come into a place of power and control. It goes on. And people have religious fantasies. And in the religious fantasy, they're a great minister of the power of God. And they've got all this kind of things goes around them, but at the end of that, when you watch what they're doing, it doesn't match up. The fantasy world is a wonderful place that you can hide from living life. So fantasy can be a way where you can move to, your imagination can be used to creatively look at your future and begin to plan how you can shape it, or your fantasy can be a place where you escape because you're hurt and have got struggles inside. Okay then? It'll get quiet now. It's okay, come on. We all have them. And anyone. And I daydream away all through school. I still remember daydreaming all the time away. I talked to Dad about it. He suddenly where you were all the time. No one could ever connect with you. So daydream, so, so fantasies are very, very powerful in the effect they have on our life. But when you're in it, you don't realize what it's doing to you. And so that's why the Bible talks, you know, we need powerful weapons to pull these things down and to stop them. So there we there's some fantasies, okay? And uh, usually fantasies uh, can be an attempt to heal the wounds that we feel, the pain we feel. They can be an attempt to gain power or to make up for some lack we have. It can be all kinds of things, but they can be very, very powerful. Very, very powerful. So when men go into a, a fantasy world where the sexual things, as we'll see just shortly, it's because there's no fear of rejection. You're in an imaginary world where you have all you want and no one's saying no, and, and you're in control. There's no reality in it at all. Imaginary. It's not real. It's fantasy. And uh, the trouble is when you live there, then you can't live in the real world. You've got to come out of that fantasy world and re-engage real life. So whatever fantasies we have, whether they be religious, sexual, financial, all kinds of things, if we're living in a fantasy world with vain imaginations, that will be exalting themselves against you knowing and walking in your destiny. You have to deal with it. It's not always easy to recognize it. And so it's why I'm taking it slow and just talking about it today in a different kind of way than what I'd normally do. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, Now the Spirit expressly speaks... So he's saying that the Holy Ghost is making, drawing our attention to this reality that in the last days, that's the days we live in, in the last days, ever since Jesus has been the last days, but I guess we're nearer the last days than ever before. But in the last days, men shall give heed. Man means everyone, shall give heed to seducing spirits. They'll be drawn away from a personal faith that outworks itself with realities in life into a dimension of seducing spirits. You say, well, that's not me. Couldn't be. That's because if you don't recognize how these things operate, you would never actually know whether you'd been drawn away. The nature of seduction is you don't know what you're getting yourself into. And so a seducing spirit, that word seduce is the word, for which you get the word planet, a wanderer, it's a, it's a spirit which tempts, leads, entices you, and draws you. Now, when you're being seduced, you don't even know what's going on to you. You wake up next morning, who the heck is that next to me? Huh? That's what goes on. And what did I do to get here? Something happened on the way. You ended up where you didn't want to be because you didn't recognize what this influence was doing in your life. 
And so it says, men will give heed to doctrines of demons as, as seducing spirits and particular doctrines, and that will draw them away from a living, strong faith in Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 11, verse 1 to 3, Paul says, I've espoused you to Christ. And then he says, I feel is somehow as the serpent deceived Eve. Now he's saying to Christians, he's saying, I'm concerned that just the same way that the devil deceived Eve, you would be drawn away, your mind's corrupted from just simple devotion to Jesus Christ. That's what the Christian faith is about. We're in love with Jesus Christ. He's our strength. He's our life. We have a friendship with him. We're given a destiny to fulfill. Had a great life. And he says, I'm a bit concerned that just the same way the devil nailed Eve, he'll nail you the same way. How do you nail Eve? He put a vain imagination in her mind. And she began to feed on the imagination that if she ate the fruit of that tree, she could be like God. She could have an independent life. She could be someone great. It appealed to vanity. I can actually move on without God. That's what it was. I can get where I want to get. I don't need God to do it. I just eat this. I'm going to get a hold of my life. I'm going to, you know, look after number one. And she ate into it. And when she'd eaten into it, taken it all on board, then she shared it and corrupted. And then Adam came into that same influence. So if we were to say then, what is it then would open the door to seducing spirits? I'm going to give you a list of a few things, which and these come out of experience in ministry. They're either out of my personal life, I needed deliverance, or they're out of someone else that needed deliverance that I prayed for. So they're not sort of fanciful things. This is reality. This is what goes on. So I want to share with you then some, so just some things that are traps. Uh, one of them is books. Now, for me, I spent my whole life in books. Nothing wrong with books. Had some wonderful books. I like reading books. I still read books. But when books become a source of fantasy where you escape from reality, it's a problem. I used it to escape the pain of relationship. Just went and read a book. You don't have to face anything that way. You just go away and you're in another world in your imagination. So books can be a source of that. Romance novels can be very much that way for women, action books and things for men. Another one's the area of TV. TV can be, now TV's a wonderful, wonderful tool. You do all kinds of things with it. But TV can open the door. Soap operas. Desperate housewives. And some women are desperate to get back there to watch Desperate Housewives. I have got to watch it. I can't miss it. Make sure you record it. It's true. Because, now you've got to ask yourself, what has happened here? Ask yourself, what happened? It's the same with movies. Now what happens is, this is what the Lord showed me. Very, very clearly. He said, when you watch a movie, of course, TV is just a movie kind of deal. When you watch a movie, you've got to realize someone has created a fantasy they want you to pay money to enter into. And they were mostly not Christians, so therefore their fantasy was not a godly fantasy. And when they create the picture, here's the something that they can do. In, with the, with, the, with the, uh, the movies and with the media like that, what they can do is this. They can turn you into a voyeur. A voyeur is someone who peeps in on someone else doing something. So without realizing, when you sit in the screen and you begin to be drawn into that thing, they create the story so you begin to identify with the characters. And before you know it, you are emotionally entangled and drawn in. You've identified with them. You're living in their world. And then when you're in that world, if you get two people and they're making love, you're actually able to stand in the bedroom and look in and peep at what they're doing. You don't get anywhere to do that in life. They arrest you, put you in jail. But they create in the movies the opportunity for you to do that. 
And when you do that, you get drawn in and you begin to fellowship with the spirit that's involved. And if you don't watch, you'll open your life and you can then become invaded by that same spirit, spirit of adultery, spirit of violent rape or whatever, those kinds of things, all kinds of stuff that comes. For most of the movies, if anything bad happens, whether it's violent or anything else, I just close my eyes. I don't want the picture. I just don't want the picture, so I'll just go. Mm. I know it's a bit limp, but I just don't want the picture. It takes me too long to get it out. I can't be bothered. I'd rather not have the picture. In the old days, they didn't put it all in. They actually edited it out, and you never saw the violence, and you never saw the sex. You just had implications of it. That's different to actually seeing it. When you see it, you've seen it, and you can't get the picture out. It's in the file. You've got to be cleansed. You know the idea? So they can, they can create it. In Romans 1.32, I'll look it up, but it talks about those who not only partake with sin, but actually uh, fell, or rejoice or, or with those who, who do these things. Games. Fantasy games. Fantasy game is a game where you take on a character. Now, parents may not even be aware of this stuff, but your kids will probably know all about it. And what happens is they get into a game, and, the, and years ago it used to be Dungeons and Dragons was one of the first ones that came out. But now, So what happens is you find yourself... And identifying with the characters in the movie and you're drawn into the whole thing and you open your life to all kinds of unusual things. Uh, another area is the area of, uh, so they've got books, TV, movies, uh, comics. Now, the, the comics in my days used to be Donald Duck, Mickey Mouse and The Phantom. I liked The Phantom. It was great. But nowadays, I don't know where The Phantom is. He's gone off thing. I went into a comic shop the other day down the road there, down on the main street. Goodness me, I've never seen anything like it in my life. R18 Comics. Unbelievable stuff. Occultic, sorcery, sexual violence, all kinds of things. Dreadful stuff. And, uh, and yet there it is. People are taking it on board. And, and I know in some places people get addicted to comics. Uh, another is the area of the internet, the chat rooms. You know, I don't know how many marriages I've heard fail because someone got into a chat room and got into a fantasy relationship with someone somewhere away. And then in the end, the spirit of adultery came around them because they shared their heart with that person. And they didn't realize a seducing spirit was coming on the internet. Now, about 10 years ago, the Lord told me the internet's going to be a channel for seducing spirits to come into homes without anyone realizing it. That's why you've got to guard and set boundaries around the internet watching for your family because they don't know what they'll get connected up to. Here's, here's another one there, and that's your fantasy game. There's many sophisticated variations of it, but what happens in these games is you take on an identity, and through accomplishing certain things, you gain certain powers. And, and actually now, it's developed to another level. It's developed to the level now where you can go live and you have a headset on and you're now speaking the things out into this imaginary arena where you're involved in conflict with people from around the world. It's become incredibly sophisticated. And when you take on, when you get into those games, you take on a name and identity and you open yourself to the demon behind it. When I was in Singapore this last time, I, I shared some stuff on that. I got a young man to come up and he said he'd been totally addicted to the game. And when we came up, I got him to renounce the game and renounce the identity that he had taken in the game. And he manifested as he renounced it and had a massive deliverance. Who says fantasy isn't powerful? This opened the door for him to come in. And clearly he was a broken person, needed help uh, and, and that, that kind of thing. So, of course, there's all these sort of areas. Now you've got these fantasy worlds. And you see, some, of the parents, some parents are not even up with what's going on. You have a look at many of the stories that are coming. You've got all these fantasy worlds. There's Neverland, there's Narnia, there's a Middle Earth. There's all these fantasy worlds that have been created in someone's imagination. And then when, when young people get on the internet, they can get into this area, open the doorway for demons to come in and afflict them.
Isn't it a great day we live in, eh? <laughs> Glory to God. You wouldn't have heard of Second Life, would you? Second Life is where you enter the internet, take on another identity, go into another world and create and live in another world. Where there's buying and selling. And you have another marriage. And there's pornography in there as well. It's unbelievable. This is the world we're in now, in the last days seducing spirits. Interesting, isn't it? We need to understand what's happening so we can, and then I'll get right down to where it affects you in a moment. Uh, another is there, pornography. Behind pornography is, an, this is what the Lord told me. He said, behind pornography is one of the ancient gods. Have you ever read through the Bible and wondered what it was that caused Israel to go after idols all the time? Yeah, we read it in the 21st century. What is up with these people? You know, God blesses them, God's kind to them. Next thing you know, they're whipping away there and off with idols. What is that all about? And interestingly enough, in Numbers 25, when they wanted to get them off the course, they just sent women in to sleep with them and get them onto idols. Once they're on the idols, then away they go. They're lost again. And so the Lord spoke to me and he said, the spirit behind the idols in the Old Testament is the same spirit that's behind pornography in the 21st century. And it's a powerful thing. It's a spirit of whoredom. Spirit of prostitution. So when a person is involved in pornography, they pay money to watch someone do things. And what happens is they are now entering into a financial agreement with a prostitute. The spirit of prostitution comes over their life and they're addicted. And it has a, a tremendous draw for two reasons. One, because it's a spirit behind it is pulling on people just like they did in the Old Testament and like the Old Testament idols has to be torn down. And the second one is that emotional rejection or pain or woundedness will cause people to feel good and comforted in that fantasy world. And they want to enter it to feel better instead of forming substantial relationships. In Ezekiel 8 verses 12 it says, it says, See what they do in the dark in the chambers of their imagination. Or Ezekiel 8 verse 12. See what they do in the dark, in the chambers of their imagination. All the rooms of their imagination have got these idols or pictures on the walls. What a classic picture in the Old Testament of modern day pornography. Hey. Fantasies in the last day. This is the modern day fantasies. Old days it was an idol. Oh, we wouldn't go for that. <laughs> We've got our own different ones these days. Just put, flick a switch and you're there. And so another one, of course, is imaginary companions. Now, little kids have imaginary companions, but if they're deeply wounded, it can turn into a familiar spirit, which the child sees no one else does. We had to pray for people in the Philippines, had a little spirit, I don't know why they call it a dwarf spirit, it was a little companion, and it was a familiar spirit. In Ireland, they call them leprechauns, but a similar kind of thing. So there it is. Those are some of the doorways, some of the things. And Job 31 says... He said, uh, he said, I will make a covenant with my eyes, verse 1, and in verse 7, lest my heart follows my eyes. So whatever's captured your imagination will catch your heart. Uh, in, in, uh, in Matthew chapter 6, he says, the eyes are the lamp of the soul. So whatever's got your, your sight, your imagination, will capture the focus of your life and direct you. And this is why we need to be able to deal with it. And I'll show you how to do that. We're going to talk about how to tear it down. I just want to go a couple more things, and then I'll, show you, I'll give you the, the key things to root it out. Uh, so the next thing I want to look at, just, I want to give you these quickly, but just the impact of fantasies, the impact of fantasies when they're unrestrained. There, there's several of them. Here they are. Number one, it creates tracks in your mind that make it very, very easy to go there. Literally, there are mental tracks in your mind. You just go back there all the time. Same fantasy, same place, same thing. Like a mental track is in there, like a mental rut. 
Uh, second thing, it causes you to avoid responsibilities that you should be facing. You go away to daydream land instead of facing responsibilities. Thirdly, it becomes a place of false comfort where you find comfort with imaginations and demons instead of comfort from the Holy Ghost. It's a place of false comfort and connection to familiar spirits. The next thing, fourthly, it becomes addictive. It becomes addictive like alcohol. Just the same way alcohol, people go to the bottle, people can go to fantasy the same way and think they're much better than the alcoholic. It becomes a drug that opens your life. Secondly, it opens your, the last thing, a couple of things, it opens the door to your soul to seducing spirits. It opens your life up. That's why we've got to deal with fantasies very, very clearly. It creates blocks to intimacy so you can never build good relationships within marriage and family. Many families are suffering because of this issue of fantasies as a way of escaping, working things out. And lastly, it increases selfishness, self-centeredness, because you actually become unaware of what anyone else is doing, and you're locked up in your own world. Quite a pretty grim thing fantasy does. Now, fantasy is a misuse of the creative gifting God gave us. We have to deal with this misuse and abuse. If you don't use something the way God intended, you've abused it, and there's a consequence. How can I root out the fantasy? How can I root these things out? I'll look at it in more detail next week, but I want to give you just the keys for rooting it out. Number one, you have to recognize it. You have to recognize it. Psalm 51 verse 6, God desires truth of the inner parts. So what is my fantasy? What is it my mind goes to? What do I begin to dream about? Am I dreaming about fulfilling the call of God or am I going somewhere else? See, see, what shows up in the fantasy? What happens in the fantasy? Just ask yourself a few questions. When I daydream and go away in fantasy land, what's happening? What goes on? Where does it end up? Just ask yourself the questions. How long has it been going? How f- am I addicted to this thing? Is this true? It's been a long-term pattern. Ask the question and own it. I've got a problem. That'd be the first step. Second thing is it requires deep repentance. We have to abandon the false comfort. Matthew 4, 17, if I want the kingdom to come in my life, I must abandon the things which oppose it. This is something that opposes it. I have to make choices that this will no longer be part of my life. Even making the choice is a powerful step. It's not the only step to dealing with it because I need to let go not just the sin itself, the fantasy itself, the soul ties and attachments, the familiar spirits. I've got to abandon the whole thing. And you may not realize how addicted you are until you actually try to get rid of it. Uh, so thirdly, I've got to remove the fantasy at its roots. I've got to remove it. Now, here's, that's the more difficult part. Here's what I suggest you do. I suggest you fast. If you want to root something out, get into fasting. Fasting can expose and uncover things really, really easy. In Judges chapter 6, verse 26, Samson tore down the idol. He just literally went and he ripped the whole thing down and built a place uh, of altar to the Lord, and God changed his name, and he was anointed to begin to move into his destiny. So somewhere, if our life has been sabotaged by fantasies, sabotaged by daydreaming, sabotaged by, by woundings in the soul, we've got to go there and tear that thing down. Sam, he, he got up in the night, and he took people with him to help him because he was a bit afraid to deal with it. If you, if you can't deal with it yourself, get some help for someone to deal with it, and tear down that fantasy. Tear down that thing that you go to. Tear down the thing right at the roots of it. Confront the spirit that's hooked into you, trying to take you out of your destiny. Okay, and we'll share with you some of the weapons we've got to do it next week. See, so fasting and prayer can expose the root. And usually what people need is deliverance and healing. Because many times you find that people are out in fantasy world. I was there because I was rejected. 
I was lonely, hurt, and rejected. And, I, and it was no use saying, stop daydreaming. I couldn't help it. I just wanted to go there because everything else was painful. What I needed to do was address the real problem. Hurt, rejected, you need to forgive. You need to face the feelings, grieve over them, and get out of it. Unless you do it that way, you don't really get out of it. You have a fix over the top. And, you, and your, your, your fantasy is just a method of controlling your world. Last thing then is we need to replace the fantasy with the truth. We've got to put the truth about what God says. We need truth. The truth will set you free. The Bible says, renew your mind and you become a changed person. So as we see that, how many people can say, man, God is speaking to me today. Whoa, come back. How many went away while I was talking? Some did. Good on you for being honest. One did. One admitted they'd gone away. That's right. Just tap and say, come back, come back. <laughs> I've had to do that to some people. Hey, come back, come back. You're gone. <laughs> it's okay. But listen, how many people felt God's convicting you inside? There's something in your life you need to tear down. Something, a place of escape, a place that's really actually got you gripped. Maybe it's some program, addictive program. Man, I used to get into that sci-fi program to have to run home and watch these things crazy stuff. Just finding ways of escape into a fantasy world, but it's a spirit behind it. What if we were to be delivered of that thing and to break into new dimensions in our mind and our thinking of seeing the dreams of God for our life, of seeing the possibilities of faith, what could be instead of going away and creating a fantasy world that'll never be true. I wonder how many people know God's speaking to you today. Just raise your hand right now. Just acknowledge today. God is speaking to me today. Father, I thank you right now. Each and every person's responded. Just close their eyes for a moment. Lord, we need your help. You've said in the last days of seducing spirits, powerful forces that would enter the world to take us out of the calling of God. And Lord, today as we come before you, we acknowledge together as a body of people that we have not fully pursued you. We've not loved you with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind. In parts of our mind, we've had idols, things lifted up, which have opposed us walking with you, knowing you, and going forward with you. And we thank you, Lord, for grace in our lives to flush the things out. And we're saying, Holy Ghost, come into our midst. Begin to flush these things out. Whatever has fed them, whatever hurt and grief and sorrow, flush it out, Lord. And Lord, wherever we've built the fantasies and imaginations, Lord, we stand and commit to tear them down in the power of the Holy Ghost. And we ask for your grace to do it. Listen, just before we finish, I wonder, is there any person here today who's never received Jesus Christ, the most powerful way your life can change is to realize Jesus Christ came here to help you change. There's a power called sin at work that stops us, even though we try and make these good intentions. But the power of God can set you free. If you're here today, you need to know Jesus Christ. If you've not already given your life to Him, this is the day to receive Him. Every person who received Jesus, He gave power to be a child of God by trusting in Him. I wonder, is there any person here right now, you're not a Christian, you say, I want to become a Christian, I want to give my life to Jesus. Why don't you quickly raise your hand right now? Just let me see. I'd love to pray with you. 
I'd love to invite you to come to Christ to experience Him in life. Any person here today, quickly raise your hand. Is anyone here today? Anyone here today? Just let me know. Wow. Well, Father, I just thank you for such a big response today concerning vain imaginations, fantasies. And I'm asking that over this coming week that you will begin to break open the ground of people's hearts as we fast and pray and push against these things. Father, as we come, Lord, in the coming week, I pray there'll be a mighty deliverance and a breakthrough over the weekend at the Freedom Retreat and on Sunday morning. I pray, Lord, that next weekend will be a breaking out and a breaking open the foundations that have held people locked up. Father, we believe for your spirit to move as we do the groundwork and prepare. Church, I encourage you, if you put your hand up, I know there's some area, fast this week. Just do some fasting. Push into God and say, Lord, what, how long has this thing been there? What is it? Show me what it exactly is. Write it down. What you dream about, where you go, what you think about, what that fantasy is, where it ends up. Write it down. How long has it been like that? And, and how, how strongly have I got this thing in my life? If I need to cut, I'll cut TV off this week. I'll cut internet off. I'll cut off the things I've done that fed this thing, and I'll see what rises up inside me. I've determined to make a stand like Gideon and pull down that family altar that for generations has held my family from the destiny of God. Is that you? Is that you? Do it this way. Do it. Do it. Father, I pray your grace to do it in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone said, Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a clap and thank Him that at the cross of Calvary, He broke the power of sin. He broke the power of the devil. He broke the power of seducing spirits. And He called you and me to live a life that's powerful and strong. A life that's faith-led, vision-led, led by the Spirit of God and not by some vain imagination and fantasy. Come on, let's rise up. Come on, let's give Him a clap. Let's give Him a clap. Come on, give Him a song. I exalt you. I exalt you. Let's lift and him up. Father, in Jesus' name, we tear down every stronghold, exalting itself against the knowledge of Jesus. We ask you to expose it in our lives and empower everyone in this